Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is The Ziggler Show, where the goal is to inspire your true performance. In this episode, lifestyle changes that produced positive results. I mean, nothing changes till something changes, right? You've heard that quote before, but I mean, if you sit right down and look at your life and where you want to progress or where you're dissatisfied and not making progress, take out a pen and paper and really ask yourself, okay, what needs to change? It's really a profound exercise. It's always convicting also to me to consider what's the cost if I don't change something. Am I okay if nothing in my life changes over the next three months, six months, the next year? Is it okay if I'm at the same place I am now next year? And I do believe, okay, it's healthy to find contentment in our present circumstances. So this is not an exercise in being ungrateful for where you are. But I think most people listening, and surely for myself, we feel the responsibility to be continually growing and refining ourselves. So what I have for you in this show It's about a two minute clip from Zig Ziglar on just this, making life changes for the better. And from this message, I posted this question on Facebook. What is the most recent change you've made in your daily routine that has produced positive results in your life or the lives of others around you? Well, many responses came in. We actually grouped them in categories, and I think you're going to get really inspired as you hear Tom Ziglar and I read and talk through them. So again, I'm going to play a two minute clip from Zig Ziglar and then get into your responses to this question right after I share some great products and services with you. Now, let me simply say that a lot of people hate to make changes. You get set in a way. And, uh, you know, one definition of insanity is to think you can keep on doing the same thing and somehow or another get different results as we've already discussed. How do you build winning relationships? Well, you create the correct environment. For example, you get up 30 minutes earlier. That's a tremendous step towards creating the right environment in your home. And that is significant. Why get up 30 minutes early? Because when you start your day in a dead run and run all day and end your day in a dead run, you don't really have the inclination to be as nice to people as you otherwise would. A 30-minute earlier start where you can be a little more casual can make a great deal of difference. If you're married or if you have children where you send them off with something positive, a hug and a kiss. And then you re-enter the day, re-enter the arrangement or the relationship in a positive way. You know, so many times uh, uh, kids come home from school and they start griping and complaining about what happened. In most cases, they learned it from mom and dad because when they've been coming in from work all these years, uh, they greet each other, you know, you can't believe what that idiot I worked for did today. Or they say, you think that's a problem? Let me tell you about mine. And then we wonder why our kids are not all excited about going out and getting a job and going to work. (laughs) Instead of doing that, make an absolute truce that when you get back together, it's going to be in a positive light. Husbands and wives, if it's the two of you, what happened to you today that's really exciting? Tell me about it. What was the best thing that happened? The kids come in and uh, you say, well, what'd you learn today? Or what happened that was the most fun thing? Or what are you learning that uh, I'd like to know about? In other words, make it positive. Then uh, later that evening after dinner, when things are settled down, that's the time. I'm not advocating that you ignore the problem. The furthest thing I'm trying to do is say that. I'm saying delay serious discussion 
question until after you've gotten back together. See, if the kids identify coming home as negative, they're going to go join a gang. If husbands and wives identify as coming back home as being a negative experience, that's when they start stopping off at the bar and doing other things. Let's create that environment that makes it true and makes it good. All right, Tom, I'm going to just dive in with some of these and uh, then I'll get your thoughts on each one, right? Tell me. Tell me what you're doing in those areas too, or if there's anything new that you've done in there or just, I don't know. We'll just talk about it. You ready? I'm ready. All right. This one I kind of titled under the sleep time, wake time thing. And I'll read a few of them here. Gregory says uh, for him, establishing a regular bedtime and wake time to ensure ample rest and sleep are part of my daily routine. Steve says, uh, Patterson, I, I protect my nighttime to ensure my morning time is productive. Preparing for tomorrow starts that evening. Not having to think about the routine things allows me to focus on my morning rituals. Jacqueline, she says, waking up a bit earlier so I can have a few minutes of Bible time before I start my day. I, I definitely feel like my mood is improved when I do this. Uh, and engine, he says, uh, started waking up at six 30 and found out there's a, there's a lot more time. Um, you know, that one I know is a near and dear one to you. I do like what Steve said though, just bringing to light that preparing for tomorrow starts that evening. That's something, a concept that I heard a lot about from our friend, Dr. Randy James, my co-host in the true life show podcast and him talking about that, that concept of, yeah, our nighttime, that's the start. That's our preparation. We think of it as, oh my gosh, that's just a crash to try to recover from the day. And he's saying, no, that's the preparation for our next day. And I think about that so often when I'm, you know, going to uh, overeat late at night or stay up longer and watch another episode or whatever, or stay up playing with the kids and good, you know, sometimes good stuff. And you know what I think of Tom, I think of your dad. <laughs> and, and what happened at 930 every night, no matter what? <laughs> I was just telling a friend that he's, he would, uh, we could have family over, we could have guests over, you know, it didn't matter. And I'll just read it. I mean, I'm sitting at my desk, he'd, he'd say, well, and then he'd, he'd hit the table. I don't know what y'all are doing, but I'm going to bed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And he would just leave and, you know, he did it in such the zig way that everybody felt totally comfortable. And they're like, man, that guy's smart. He's not going to hang in here and get tired and hurt tomorrow. He's going to give it his all while he's here. And then he's going to go, you know, take care of himself and his priorities. Yeah. Why'd he do that? Because he got up at five. I, and I think about that because I so often in the evening, you know, there's good things happening. It's time to connect with the family. And sometimes that is important enough to, to do that, but I'm trying to do that earlier on so I can go protect that evening time. And that's, this is something that I would say is a, uh, a good fad that we are focusing on sleep. We went through this such a time period in our in business, especially where you bragged about how little sleep you got. And now I find people doing the opposite. And I, every morning I get up, I look at my little app to see how long I slept and then further how well I slept, how much deep sleep I got, how many times uh, did I wake up and I'm looking at and, and, and it gives me an expectation for the day. And I expect to put out a lot of energy cause I took care of myself. And, uh, you know, and then I also know when I may be at jeopardy the last two nights, I've gotten about an hour less sleep than I normally do. Got to correct that. you got to correct it. You know, yeah. I think my sleep cycle, most people are around 90 minutes per cycle, at least what I've studied on. Uh, 
if I do four cycles, which is six hours, I'm okay. If I can do five, man, then I'm rocking it because that's seven and a half hours. And really, they say yeah. we need more than seven hours. Yeah. And so what are we doing different? So one of the habits that I'm trying to build into this is getting up close to the same time on the weekends that I do in the week. Yeah. Because if I say, okay, I'm going to catch up on Saturday or Sunday and all of a sudden Sunday I get 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. Then I'm not going to bed Sunday night at the same time, which means I'm, I'm going short on Monday, which means my cycles are all white, you know, they're all wishy-washy. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't set an alarm. A lot of times I wake up before my alarm anyways, but I don't on the weekends and I generally still will get up. Sometimes I'll sleep a little bit longer. One of the kids will say, uh, ask about that. And I'll say, yeah, I slept in a little bit really till when dad, it was like six 30 or so dad, that's not sleeping in. Is what I hear. You know, I will add in here and I actually posted on a Facebook that something interesting that actually was again, Randy got me doing this is in the evening. I read a little bit of fiction and it just became a neat habit, neat ritual because I look forward to it. That's another thing. It's a, it's a, it's a motivator to go to bed because I'm in a book, I'm in a story and I want to see what's happening. So I go do my ritual, you know, brush my teeth, go to the bathroom, yada, yada, slide in bed, get down there on my prop my shoulder up. And I, uh, open the, you know, open a book, man. I'm eager. I've got one right now. I'm really enjoying it. Eager to, to read. And so I'm motivated to go to bed. And then of course it takes, you know, three minutes, five minutes and my eyes are getting heavy and I've gotten three pages in and man, I'm ready to go to sleep. Makes the book last really long, but uh, it's just, just a good, a good ritual. That's good. That's good. Well here, of course we got a bunch here and I'll just try to read through quickly on just, uh, I, I would say diet nutrition, uh, Brian, he says, against all the medical advice, I am not drinking anything after 5 p.m. Um, so I can actually sleep more without having to get up so often. I'm not drinking anything with supper as well. And that is, talk about sleep, going back to that. If you're getting up you know, one, two, three times a night to go to the bathroom, um, that, is, that is suspect. Uh, here's another Albert. He says, not eating after 7 uh, Kent says, uh, change his main change has been in diet, increasing the consistency of his exercise, not eating as much junk food, a drastic cut in breads and chips, ice cream. He says is a huge problem food. I just don't enjoy it anymore. I could do a lot uh, better. Uh, but some things I, I do enjoy and don't want to eliminate moderations. My diet plan. I've tried the fad diets. They just were not sustainable, but I lost 20 to 25 pounds, uh, and maintain that for the last three years. That's great. Jeff Ball says greener food and less bread. Stephanie says drinking a minimum of 75 ounces of water. I feel more energetic and my hunger is better controlled. Lori says uh, she added fruits, uh, two, two fruits at a minimum to her daily intake. Seems to help curb some sweet tooth cravings. Uh, Jordan Hennessy says puts collagen in his coffee. Kurt says it curbs my appetite. Timothy says I, I'm drinking cold pressed vegetable drinks. Uh, this again, man, just great. Those are such little things. Well, I shouldn't say that for some people stopping bread alone is a huge thing. Uh, it depends on where your diet is, but those daily deposits, and it's just great to hear people testify to how they, I like what Kent says. He stopped some of those things, ice cream, bread. Now he just doesn't enjoy them 
anymore. I think that happens with some people, Tom, not all. Uh, there's a book, I think it was called You Crave What You Consume. Sometimes I'm amazed at things that I no longer consume that I still have a hankering for. I, I don't ever not have a hankering for cheesecake. That, that's implanted in my psyche. Uh, but I don't do it. Uh, I, I don't. I, I rarely think about a donut anymore. If I do, I think about how good it would taste with my coffee. But I don't. It's, it's not worth feeling bad. And I know I've, got, I've gotten more sensitive to that. I know you've experienced that as well. Yeah, I'm a lot more sensitive. In fact, there are certain fast foods that I have a craving for. And then when I imagine myself eating it, I imagine the first two bites just being bliss. And then the second two bites being, oh, that's good. And literally by the fourth or fifth bite, I can actually feel my taste buds change. I can feel the chemicals entering into my body. I can feel the sludge and the slime starting to bog me down. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really uh, ever experience that until I went just whole foods only for so long. Right. You have to like wake your taste buds up and get your, get your body and your system, uh, you know, used to that so that you can, so that you can tell the difference between feeling good and not feeling good. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we talk about in the book, choose to win there's a segment called the Trinity of transformation and it, it, you know, the picture is the hot air balloon that's going to take you to your goals and dreams. And there's a section where I say, you're doing everything right. And the balloon stalls and you look over the edge and there's these ropes tying it down. And I think a lot of times we, we try to do a lot of good stuff, right? We create a lot of new habits, which is real important. But we get more gain out of cutting the rope on one or two bad habits, right? Even yeah, if we don't, yeah. you know, I'm not, I can't believe I'm saying this. Even if we don't replace it with a good habit, if we just cut that one thing out, it's like we get that lift. Yeah. The bad habit of not getting enough sleep. If we just add in enough sleep, it's like a multiplier for everything else. Yeah. If we've got that one crutch food that's just pure carbs and chemicals and no nutritional benefit, and we cut that one thing out, even if we're not necessarily making a great choice to replace it, just a better choice, we'll usually get a much bigger lift than a whole bunch of little things and then keeping that bad thing in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one where I, I do. I think about that. I think about it's that it's the donut. That's what that's, that's my muse that comes to mind. I think about my gosh, the, what's in that, the sugar, the grease, the carbs, I'm going to put that in my body and let my body be trying to deal with that while I sit there and try to work. And I just, I just, it's a bad, it's a bad plan, man. My taste buds are happy for just a moment though. Speaking of uh, donuts, I saw where I think it's Kentucky fried chicken is coming out with a donut fried chicken sandwich oh my gosh that's called a heart attack a fried chicken <laughs> breast in the middle of two donuts oh my gosh hey if you're gonna i go, cringe i think go, about it and i'm like go big or go home right if you're gonna send send big that's oh. that falls in line that's just yeah i think i just got a stomach ache here in that um 
Well, these people are not doing that. Thank goodness. Um, you know, we talked about mourning and I actually left out a couple and I want to bring back up Becky here. She says she's listening to the Bible on audio every morning. Uh, she has a Bible in a year plan on you version. I'm not familiar with that, but, uh, Susie Bradley here, who's a, she's a friend and a neighbor in, in my town here. She says, beginning the day in devotions and prayer before I allow the world to come in. You know, that is one that I've had times of vacillating on, uh, a little bit, Tom is morning devotions. I mean, you have those times for me, I try to always be in my Bible a little bit every morning out of habit. And there's been times when I felt like I was doing it out of duty, you know, and I try to be, I try to be open to that. But even now I'm reading, I've been reading through, I happen to be in Jeremiah right now, which man, Jeremiah just doesn't do a whole lot for me. You know, I can't feel like the spirit alive in me, but I found that I just love the habit of being immersed in the Bible, uh, a little bit every morning. And if it's five minutes and it didn't, or, you know, one chapter, I usually at least do that. And it didn't speak to me. I just have learned to take some solace and man, I just, I just want to be in that spirit a little bit. I want to be in that arena. I want to be in that environment of the Bible, of what's going on there. Even if it doesn't resonate real big. Now I usually follow that then with, well, I'll journal, if there's anything that comes to mind, but then I'll have a faith-based book that is talking about, you know, biblical perspectives and truths and do that. And, and I, I just, yeah, I've gotten to the point too, just like we're talking there uh, now about having a distaste for other foods that I have, uh, I have a distaste for missing it. I feel like, gosh, I, I'm missing a key part of my morning, that programming. But I think, I think my point there is just in saying, even if every morning is not just the high of the Holy spirit, you know, it's just that, and marinating. How's that for a word? Every day there's a little marinating. I know that builds up and there are days when I had, a, I had one a couple of days ago, it's actually still in Jeremiah where it was a section of verse and man, it just resonated and I wrote on it uh, and just being faithful, I guess, to it. Yeah. That, re- that reminds me of a great quote mm-hmm. uh, by Scully. The uh, let me see if I can find this quote real quick, real quick. Uh, Scully who landed the plane on the Hudson. Right? Oh, right. Yeah. So they, they were, he was being interviewed and they said, how did you do it? And this is what he said. One way of looking at this might be that for 42 years, I've been making regular deposits in the bank of experience, education, and training. And on January 15th, the bank, the balance was sufficient so that I could make a very large withdrawal. Yeah. And I think, uh, from just creating the life we want, uh, whether, you know, reading the Bible or, you know, spending that, what we're doing is we're making a deposit into a savings account. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, and it's, it's going to be there when we need it. And it's amazing to me. I mean, I just had something happen to me last week, uh, where I'm, I'm 55. And I, when I turned, uh, when I was 13, I, I said, here's my life verse. It's James 1, 2, and 3. And I made a connection on it um, last week. Just kind of like it took me 42 years to figure that out. Yeah. 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 For such a time as this. I mean, I think about that, Tom, when people go through tragedy, and I believe it's arrogant to think that we won't. I have nine kids and now grandkids, and the uh, not being pessimistic, but just the reality of me experiencing tragedy with one of them is, is relatively high. 
How am I preparing now so that I can withstand it well with integrity, with peace? And that's my job today. And if I don't, then God help me when that happens. Uh, and the propensity is it's there for all of us. Um, we all know people that it's happened to, if it hasn't happened to us and well, Hey, exercise falls in line here. And I just, I just, we, they did these just categorize these kind of in order of, of how they came in. And there was of course a lot with exercise. Chris, he says, CrossFit changed my entire, I've changed my entire body over the last six months, better shape than when I was 25 and he'll be 40 next month. Uh, I've also upped my mental toughness and it, it has in a big way. Uh, Sovan says at least a little bit every morning I'm exercising at least a little bit. Today is day 80. Uh, Micah drinking more water, 16 ounces. First thing upon waking up, uh, before going to bed and at least two throughout the day, it curbs my snack, my appetite for snacking. I'm also exercising in the morning. It makes me feel more prepared for the day. And finally taking time during my lunch break to meditate. It refreshes my mind and helps me get through the slower part of the afternoon. Uh, Lamont says I started doing the insanity workout to lose the retirement fat. I'm reading and journaling the action plan. Um, those, you know, the exercising, I, I really like Sovans that just exercises just a little bit every morning. And today is day 80. I mean, to think about that, think about, I think people think about exercise think, my gosh, what if I can, I've got 10 minutes. Uh, That's a common thing that I'll realize sometimes. Oh my gosh. You know, whatever happened in the morning and I, 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 I've got 10 minutes. And in 10 minutes, you can do a, a HIIT workout. If somebody doesn't know that, a high-intensity interval training or, or a bunch of burpees or just plop down and do some push-ups or whatever. And I had a guy talk one time. He says, that's the difference between an amateur and a pro. And I want to be a pro in life, Tom. And he says, but a pro is going to do something. Even if you got 10 minutes, they're going to do something. And so here's Sovan saying at least a little bit. 80 days? I mean, do the math, whatever. If it's 10 minutes a day for 80 days, I mean, we are... The kind of back to those deposits you're talking about, Tom, that's a little bit in the bank account, a little bit, as opposed to nothing. It's dramatic. As opposed to nothing, that is dramatic. So that that inspired me. You are listening to The Ziggler Show, and we're talking about new routines to benefit your life. Well, next, Tom talks about the power of keeping a streak alive, inertia, plus uh, new habits, He a, a new habit he's learned this week. So we're going to jump right back in after I share some great products and services with you. Yeah, you know, that he hit on a real technique there for habits, and that is the, the power of a streak. Yeah. Right. There is inertia. Yeah. There's something very, if, if you decide, uh, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to be a triathlon champion in my age group. Instead, I'm just going to keep a streak going for the rest of my life. Even if it's two minutes, that's a powerful thing because there's something about getting up and moving and keeping a streak alive. That's, that's, that's something else. And here's, here's something else I learned this week. I was reading this study. Uh, an approach. And it's, you know, it kind of combines a couple of the things that we've already talked about, uh, how we start our day, exercise, uh, diet, and those kind of things. If once a week, we will look into the future, let's just say a year, and we imagine ourselves as the person we want to become, right? So we've got this vibrant health, we've got energy, we've got mental clarity, we're doing the work we love with who we love. You know, we're living life with friends. You know, maybe there's some other specific goals or things that we're working on and we can see ourselves actually having fulfilled that. 
if we start to, and then we say, okay, well, what's a day like in my life a year from now? And we imagine that day, right? And we've got the shape and we've got the energy and our skin complexity is awesome. I mean, it just health radiates. Um, and you do that for eight or 10 minutes and then you freehand write that in your journal, hmm. what that is. And you do that once a week, right? It's about 10 minutes of thinking, meditating, and writing. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, here's what happens. We all get real excited. Here's the principle behind it. We all get really excited about the big goal we're going to go after. And most people are fantastic at the start, right? You know, we join the gym. We go see the doctor. We throw out all the food in the pantry. We buy the new food. You know, we enroll in the online class. You know, we, we clean our office out. We get organized, whatever that is. And we have that fast start. The fast start could last two weeks or four weeks or six weeks. And then what happens is we, we lose it. We, we kind of drift. We no. we're like, why am I doing this anyway? And this is what's happened. The, instead of thinking about the dream, the goal or aspiration, we've lost sight of that. And we start focusing on the next thing we've got to do. Huh? And so when you do that 10 minute uh, visioning once a week, what it does is it brings the benefits of what you're working on into your creative conscious and subconscious and unconscious. Yeah. And it, and all of a sudden you're not trading uh, a cheesecake for the workout anymore. You're trading the cheesecake for your dream. Yeah. yeah. And you see the difference there. One of them is a have to do. One of them is I get, I get to live this life. And it's, it's a, so it's a, it's, you know, I'd be interested to hear if any reader or any listeners uh, will just try that for a couple of weeks, you know, once a week, maybe, maybe getting ready for bed on a Sunday night as you're winding down and you're thinking about the week, just spend 10 minutes, create some gratitude, think about the life you want, who you're going to become, and then let that kind of, what did you say earlier? Uh, marinate. Marinate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. During the week, and yeah. then see, see uh, if you were more consistent in following through on the things that you know you should do. Yeah, man, I appreciate that because I that is such a personal development trajectory. Reality is that we get started, we have that uh, momentum, that uh, streak, as you called it, and then we we lose momentum. I mean, that's a, that's a term you hear so often. Man, I just I just kind of lost momentum. I just. Uh, you know, fell off the bandwagon, whatever, something happened. And you just gave kind of a psychological reality for why that is because yeah, it's so, it's so common. We do that. We get started and then there comes that valley. Um, so being aware of it, half the battle. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, ben Azenia, and I'm not sure how to, how to continue pronouncing it, but he says, I take a nap for a while in the daytime even at the workplace to facilitate good health. Well, I saw that and I thought, man, that's not normal. And of course I clicked on his name that I can't pronounce. He's from Nigeria. And there are, as I think most people know, there's other countries where that is very common, a slower paced life and to be able to take a nap at work. And I have never taken a nap at work time. Actually I had one time when I, I was, I was fighting sickness. I probably shouldn't have been in my office. It was right here. And I did, I rolled up a, a 
jacket or something like that. And I laid down it felt guilty. It felt like it's so goofy, man. If somebody comes in, cause I tell everybody if I have my door shut, it's just cause of noise. So feel free just come in, you don't need to knock. Somebody comes in, I'm going to be embarrassed. And I thought about it later. And I thought, why is that? I could put a cotton here. It's my office. Uh, I, I, I can do that. And that makes sense, but we don't, man, especially in America, as the Americans are, are listening to that, we don't do that, man. We burn it and we eat at our desk and we do not take breaks at all, much less an actual nap. I don't food for thought on that one, Tom. I kind of, I kind of like it. There's a lot of, there, once again, there's a lot of research that says the most creative time we have is when our feet are, you know, Theoretically, yeah. our feet are up on the desk. Yeah. We're leaning back. We're taking a break, and we're just marinating in all the things. Yeah. And man, I've had those times of exhaustion. I bet you have too, where you do give yourself a second. Maybe on a weekend, I'll do this and I'll just lay down. It doesn't feel like I even went to sleep. It was just that little doze off, and it took care of the exhaustion. Why don't I do that in the given afternoon at work? Yeah. Here's an interesting one, Alan Stein Jr. So folks, if you have not listened to show 665, I had Alan on the show. He has a book called Raise Your Game, and it's really where he took his experience working with celebrity athletes, high-end high elite athletes, and brought it into business and in life. So really good one. So he commented on that, I was, on this. I was grateful for He says he's wearing uh, Blu-ray blocking glasses to block the rays emitted by electronics every evening for two to three hours before bedtime has helped my ability to fall asleep and the quality of sleep immensely. Well, so I have seen, uh, if, if folks, if you know, Dave Osprey or Asprey, however you say his name, he's the bulletproof coffee guy, best-selling author, whatnot. And I've seen a couple things online where he wears those things most of the time. Then I went to my chiropractor and he's wearing them. Well, no, he's up and he's doing his deal. And then he sits down his computer, puts the glasses on these goofy looking yellow glasses. And so I've been seeing that and Alan talked about it. And I've just, it's just been making me aware of how often I am looking at a screen. So he, he posted that yesterday. I bought some, he put it, I said, where'd you buy yours? He gave a list of some, I bought some, I, the most expensive ones. They were like $17 and they didn't look too goofy. I'm going to start using them. Uh, so I don't have a testimony to give yet, but when I'm standing on my computer screen, I'm going to try using them. All right. Hey, you mentioned the bulletproof coffee guy and I've got another tip on do the it. nap. Do it. The, the coffee nap. So I read about the coffee nap. And so basically what it is, uh, you get a warm cup of coffee, one cup that you can, you can basically slam it. You can drink it all in one drink. Just before you take your nap, you slam the coffee. Yeah. You set your alarm for 20 minutes and it's very important because you don't want to go sluggish. Right. Yeah. So your alarm goes off, you wake up. That's usually, if you're pretty good at falling asleep, that's about a 15 minute nap. That's just enough to open up the receptor cells in your brain that allow this, you know, the benefits of sleep to happen. Those are also some of the same cells that the coffee, the caffeine attaches to. Mm. So you get the double benefit of caffeine and a nap. I had had a really long travel day, uh, late night, the night before early travel, two airplanes. And I had to speak in the afternoon. I did that coffee nap. Nice. It was unbelievable. Huh. It was unbelievable. Interesting. All right. I'm going to try it. I'll report back to you. Okay. Okay. 
to get a cot here in my office first. <laughs> uh, here's a few of them on, I'm going to call it planning in, in a sense. Mason uh, says, getting the kids up half an hour earlier. All of a sudden, we are leaving the house on time every day. Man, for those who got kids in school, not making that a, a harried time is, is so profound. So that's awesome, Mason. Lynn says, I started reviewing my Google Calendar for the next day, the night before. I'm a wife, mother of three, and a full-time realtor. My days are never the same, and I consistently have last-minute appointments and changes. This preparation allows me to be more organized, patient, positive, and all around a better person. Uh, Jen says, making sure my dishes are done and my sink is clean and empty before bed every night. My days are so much better when my morning doesn't start with a dirty, uh, dirty kitchen and, and sink encounter. Uh, she's also, she says, I'm increasing my water intake, working up to 80 ounces and cutting out soda. Uh, Christopher says, establishing an absolute writing schedule that separates work time from daily necessities, play, and even tasks related to publicity and marketing. Writing time must be sacrosanct uh, to make tangible progress in his novel. Uh, just great on the planning, man. That, that's one that I am a fan of because I don't do it naturally, Tom. I don't, I, I don't enjoy planning, but when you got enough going on, you just have to. And so I've, I've gotten so much better over the years of just making the daily kind of the to-do list, the priority list, doing what Lynn said and looking at my calendar the night before, because there's nothing that jeopardizes my peace on a given day than getting up and not and, and realizing there's something that I had scheduled in the morning. Actually, I, I, I detest that so much. I don't schedule much in the mornings just in case uh, for that. But yeah, looking there and just doing a little planning. I mean, this goes back to the Ziegler goals planner. That was an everyday process of thinking through your day, planning out your day, being intentional with your day. And man, again, it's just not the norm these days. We have gotten into this harried, chaotic uh, life and a little planning goes such a long way. I know you, you grew up seeing that Tom and being uh, immersed in that, you know, it's so not the norm. It's not the norm. And I'll, you know, there's something about uh, reviewing your dreams and goals, your schedule, whatever, how, whatever you want to look at uh, in the evening before you, you go to bed, right? Mm -hmm. It allows your subconscious mind to really take action on it. You know, that's another way to marinate on it. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you something else. Um, I've, my shoulder's been out. I've, you know, I've, I've, my shoulders has been giving me a lot of trouble. So a couple of days I went in and I, I got a massage and it was two hours of deep tissue pushing and pulling and moving and getting the muscles to release. And it, and it still wasn't right. Right. It's still, we got it close, but we didn't get it there. And so my massage therapist, her name is uh, Kristen. She's one of our Ziggler Legacy certified trainers. She says, Tom, do you ever, do you ever tell your body what to do as you're falling asleep? Hmm. And I said, no, what do you mean? And she said, well, your body knows where it's supposed to be. And what you're doing is you're covering up for an injury uh, you're out of alignment a little bit, so the muscles kind of flare. That creates inflammation. That creates pain. She said, "Why don't Why don't when you go to sleep, why don't you uh, just as you fall asleep, just say, hey, you know, what's what? Why am I so tense? Why am I holding this all in? Why don't I just relax? Why don't I just let this body that God gave me do what it's supposed to do?" Yeah. So I did it, and I kid you not, 
uh, three o'clock in the morning, I heard a loud pop sound and it woke me up and my shoulder had gone back in. Wow. Now it's not a hundred percent, but it was like 90% better than it was when I went to sleep. That's significant. And so, you know, I, I, and I think about the way we're designed and, and the, the gift that we have. I mean, the reason, the reason that we create a to-do list and we get organized and we write everything down isn't because to-do lists make us so much more efficient and effective. They do, but that's not the reason we do it. The reason we do it is it's called open loops in our brain. And if we have all these open loops and our brain is saying, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. We never allow our creativity to work. Right. And so when we write it all down, there's no more open loops. And then when we schedule the hour of writing time or the 30 minutes, we can go straight into creative mode because there's nothing that our brains having to remember. Yeah. And I, and I think once we, you know, what a great little tip, there's no side effect to it. There's no downside out of it. I can't tell you for certain if that's why my shoulder went in. But when I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and, and just thought in a, you know, in a haze, that was my shoulder and it feels good. And then what she told me just hit in, it was almost like, your mind can tell your body what you want it to do. And we just, you know, it's an amazing thing. When we have so little concept of that, I think people listen to it and hear that feels kind of hoodoo guru, but uh, it's it's pretty irrefutable and it makes sense. It it really does. It really does. You know, you talking about that, getting the, the, the close, uh, closing loops. I have found the more creative work I do, the more I need to do that. So I'll have my times in the morning where I do, I go look at the urgent things. I make my little list, <sighs> freeze my mind and then boom. And yeah, right now it's of course writing um, is so powerful. You know, one thing, and you just made me uh, remember it too, that in the, you know, the morning time, getting up earlier, which we keep talking about constantly, uh, giving yourself that time, centering yourself, just being present in whatever way you want to. That's also when I often have thoughts of those open loops and I'll write them down. I a lot of times have a scrap piece of paper. I'll write them down. I'll think of notes for the kids who I may be gone before they even get up sometimes, you know, and I'll leave those out and just, yeah, it's so powerful, but I got to give myself that time. If I sleep too late and don't have it, it's just that hairy day. And that's the culture that we're in. That's doing that day in and day out. Uh, here's a couple on podcasting. Doug Wooster, he says his, uh, his latest, greatest thing is listening to this podcast. And I read that just to toot our horn there, Tom. There you go. Uh, thank you, Doug. <laughs> well done, Doug. Well done, Doug. That's a sign uh, of intelligence. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Kathy, she says, listening to podcasts instead of music at some point each weekday. I need positive inner monologue and the podcasts are helping me with that. Um, that one, I mean, we're back to the consummate Ziggler, you know, we're, we are who we are and where we are because of what we put in our brains. We can change who we are and where we are by changing or adding to, or whatever way inspires you. You know, sometimes Tom, I'll, I'll do music to inspire me. Sometimes I I need silence. Sometimes I need that, uh, you know, a, a podcast, a book, I need that in, but just to realize where our attitude is kind of like you back, we're back on marinating. Maybe that's the title of this show marination, uh, on these things that direct our behaviors, direct our lives. 
Um, here's one you'll appreciate. There's a couple on journaling. Laura Jean, she says, gratitude journaling. Uh, Megan says, I started a gratitude journal, writing down each night before bed what I'm grateful for that day. It puts the worries and stresses of the day in perspective and helps me wind down. Thomas says, taking the time to write my goals down. Uh, Julie says, I'm com- uh, completing two lessons in uh, Duolingo app to learn Spanish. I love it and I feel accomplished. Even if I don't know any Spanish speaking people, people, I love languages. Uh, these habitual things though, of, of especially on, on the journaling folks there, that is one that we hear about so often. I think if you don't do it, it's hard to conceive of it. I guess it's true with any habit. You don't do it. You don't, you know, you don't realize the benefits of, uh, of that. And those who do, it becomes, well, somebody used the, the term sacrosanct before, um, but it becomes very, very important journaling and whichever way you do that. I know some people who do it with pen and paper. Uh, I always have, but I know my son, my oldest son does it on his computer every single night and uh, how powerful that is. I know it's been a lifelong uh, habit of yours, Tom. Yeah. You know, I go back and forth on the journaling, you know, for years and years and years, I did an Oswald Chambers mm-hmm. uh, reading his daily devotion. I'd write notes in the margin. Uh, and then I wrote a year for a journal to my daughter. Uh, and so right now I'm not doing a journal. I'm just thinking, golly, you know how it is. You give advice and you're like, man, I should take that advice. <laughs> well, good grief so, uh, for us all, for us all. Uh, the, the meditating one has been a hard one for me. I've started instilling that in my mornings, especially just being present, just, just sitting there and being with myself a bit and being, am I okay? Am I okay with me? One thing on the journal though, and I found myself telling my kids this, when I first started journaling and I was inspired by a guy back when I was 17, 18 years old, and he just journaled the, the, the happenings of every day of his life. He said it helped him be more cognizant of what did happen in his life. And I did that for a long, long time and ultimately tired of it. And now today I don't have much patience or interest. I should say just personal interest or interest in writing down just the happenings of the day, not saying it's, it's, it's not great. And I may be missing out, but I tend to take that journaling time just to think about thoughts. Do I have any thoughts or feelings? And for me, I'm not a very emotionally expressive person, I'll write. Sometimes it's prayer unto God and just say, Hey God, I'm feeling this and I don't know what to do with it. I may write down a a frustration, a feeling an emotion. So, uh, maybe for those of you out there that, that like me are not super extroverted and don't outwardly, uh, share stuff or feel compelled to, that's a place where I've found solace and being able to think through and talk through. And again, a lot of mine are taught are, are written as prayers literally unto God. And some of them are, again, just thoughts and feelings, but you know, with any of this stuff, I hope that what people are hearing too, is there are no cookie cutter approaches across the board. Uh, that's best for everybody, right, Tom? I mean, and that is one in the personal development arena. That's hard because we all want to find a good truth and share it with people, man, I did this and this and this It changed my life. Uh, you should do it too. I think we need to watch that say you might do that, or let's look at the tenets of that. Uh, that you can apply to your life. Just like diet, man, there is no perfect diet for everybody because we're all different. We have different intolerances, different needs, different sensitivities, different whatever. And it is for all. So uh, journaling, I'd say of, of being present and, and, and accounting for your life has a lot of value. How you want to do it, there's a lot of different ways to get value out of doing that. And if you're like Tom and you go through a little season and you just don't, it's not the biggest priority, you're probably doing five things that I'm not doing that uh, 
you know, we, we gotta, we, we take it where we can. Good stuff, Tom. Great wisdom here. You know, my thing right now is, uh, there was a couple of years where I didn't really read that much. I was writing a book. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I wanted to have it kind of be a Ziegler philosophical, you know, kind of at the core. And so I'll, you know, so I didn't take in now I'm reading like, gosh, one or two books a week, it seems like. And, you know, my habit right now that I've intentionally put in is to, is to learn something, at least one thing new every day, internalize, simplify it, and share it with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. So every night my wife Chachas just looks at me and rolls my <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah. Because I got to get it out. But that's how we learn, right? Yeah. And then when we, when we take it to that next level, which was, which was dad's secret, when you do that for someone else's benefit, that's when you go to the whole nother level. Well, and I'll, I'll just add there. I, I do appreciate cycles and seasons for things. Now I don't ever want to go through a season of not exercising at all, but I may go through a season where I'm like this last summer, man, I am, I was mountain biking like crazy, putting in tons of miles. And then I may go through a season, especially here now in the winter. I'm just not doing much. I'm, I'm doing, I'm kind of on the minimal level of, of exercise. I'm not motivated. It's dark in the morning. It's zero degrees or it was this morning. And I don't want to, and let myself go through seasons. You just talked about reading. I mean, I am the same. I went through a period where I just did not read that much. And I'm in one now I'm reading a ton and I expect at some point I'll, uh, for whatever reason, I, I won't feel as, as led there. I'll probably feel led a different direction and I'll go there and, and allow those seasons and cycles. Um, yeah, I, I, I always feel compelled that people get so stuck. Uh, we often as humans get so stuck in a rut of thinking it has to be this way that, uh, yeah, look at the tenets, uh, of these, of these truths, man. Thanks as always to everybody who shared and Tom, always a gift. Talk through these with you, brother. All right. Good times. Well, there you are, folks. Nothing again will change until something changes. That's convicting for all of us. Uh, So what is something you really want and a change you're willing to implement in order to achieve it? That's a big question. Well, coming up in episode 765, simply give people what they want. So often in business startups and even in well-established businesses, we make huge investments in giving people what we think and believe they want and need. We know we can help solve a problem or fulfill a desire, and that's how we go forth. Goodness, over 20 years ago, I invested about 50, it was actually over $50,000 in a business I knew solved a big problem. It did. It legitimately did. It was not though until the money was spent and the business fully launched that I found out it just wasn't a solution people desired. And today the problem still exists, but human nature and habit has triumphed. Well, in today's show, I bring back Will Bowen, my guest from show 763, where we discuss the psychology and power of not complaining and how pervasive this poisonous habit is in all of us and what we can do about it. Well, in this show, we walk through Will's personal habits, going through the seven spokes on the Ziegler Wheel of Life. And in the career spoke, Will cited that his secret to business success is simply finding out what people want and giving it to them. He listens to his fans and his followers and gives them what they want. I have learned that lesson since then. And now in business endeavors, we go out and make sure there's a demand for what uh, what we're offering, even though we know it can help people, is there a demand? Can we create a demand? If not, it doesn't matter what it's going to do. Uh, so 
what Will is doing, asking what people want, obviously it's working. Will's organization has handed out over 11 million purple complaint-free world bracelets and over 3 million copies of his book, A Complaint-Free World, have sold. So I think you're going to enjoy this behind-the-scenes look at the daily habits Will employs to give him the success in life he has experienced. Well, till then, folks, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together. <music>